All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, loyal listeners, to the Steadfast Runners podcast, the Steadcast. I'm your host, Kieran Clements. I am the head coach at Steadfast Runners and an international distance runner myself. And I'm Sam Wade. I'm the guy with the equipment to make it, but also the Steadfast media manager as my job title has suddenly grown (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's an official title now sam is also a sub five minute miler so he also knows what he's talking about in running and what are we talking about in running today sam today kieran i thought we would discuss the whole concept of the two hour marathon love it no two hour marathon is something that we've sort of taken a lot of interest in personally as well as sort of the marathon in general it's something that we've kind of um, bonded over and developed a bit of a bromance around no, this sort of this like magical kind of barrier. Yeah, I agree. And uh, and to be fair, I think that's probably fairly common out there in you know the running community online. I mean, certainly some of the YouTubers that I follow, like one in particular, a guy called Total Running Productions. Oh, yeah. He's made half a dozen videos on the concept, and you know they they do well for him. You know, there's yeah. this buzz. And obviously, the, there's one pretty key figurehead we're going to talk about on on and on throughout this podcast. I think he almost independently has really transformed the marathon into he's, this. Well, he's taken the concept of a sub two hour marathon to something that's talked about and sort of speculated to something that's actually possible. Potentially, yeah. there's something that might actually happen. I mean, from recording this in about two weeks' time. Yeah, so. literally. Yeah, so uh, I think it's an important distinction that we should make. As we record this today, it's the 3rd of October today. It's quarter past two on the 3rd of October. And this attempt that we will talk about is coming up, I think, in all of about nine days' time, something like that. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's the INEOS project, isn't it? Yeah. They've scheduled it. For, they've said the 12th, but they've said that we might do it within a few days of that because they want you know, weather, to get the right weather. And, and we'll talk about that sort of thing later, sort of the perfect conditions for running a fast marathon. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But like I say, this whole growth of the marathon, like all of a sudden, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but out of nowhere, the marathon all of a sudden has become like this really sexy race that people want to get involved in. Yeah, well, for a long time, it wasn't really in the public interest. I mean, we had sort of the likes of Paula Radcliffe running very fast, but then after that, it sort of dropped out of, people really identifying with the marathon really sort of it lost its romance a little bit yeah and it was just sort of this thing that you know this is the longest standardized distance race that people really know of so i'm gonna go and run the london marathon for charity things like that it didn't have a huge amount of media attention and massive public interest no that's and i it. think there are two things that are really responsible for bringing the marathon back into the limelight if you will and that is big time this this is probably the biggest factor is the fact that a two-hour marathon could well happen you know any day now any time now yeah and also just the fact that running has become so much more accessible to the general public with things like park run and initiatives like that people are just out running more so because they're doing it they can relate to it yeah and they, and they understand it this is the big thing yeah. as well like the way that you know you or i can now I mean, obviously your situation is a bit different, but you and I as listeners, as you and I as normal people that don't spend our whole days running, the thing that we've now got is we've got a park run, we've got a 5K time that we can relate. So when they put up the 5K splits on a marathon yeah. and you know, yeah, I'm running mine in 20 minutes and they go, right, they just went through the first 5K at 14.20 and you go, whoa. <laughs> and that's probably quicker than the park, the park run record at most people's park runs. Yeah, runs. exactly. It's all of a sudden, you know, now there's more accessibility to people to suddenly grasp what these numbers mean. Exactly. And you, when you can relate to something, it means so much more. It's 
let's take for example, if you're, I mean, you're kind of a football fan, but not really. I, How much more does it mean to you if you're watching Ipswich play? Ipswich, if you're watching Ipswich Town play and they're on the TV versus if you're just watching, I don't know, if you're Blackpool Rovers. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. You want know, to, <laughs> the thing is, ultimately, you want to get behind someone. And shall I say his name for the first time? Shall I say it? Oh, go on. Go on. Go on. So Elliot Kipchoge, Ooh. Ooh, the current world record holder, you know, he is this figurehead that now I think really certainly he's the, he's this world, sort of, this like godlike figure, but like, like world running for the first time in a long time, feel like they can get behind you. There's been countless, yeah. you know, Kenyan and Ethiopian runners over the time. But, you know, when we think about runners, certainly in the UK, when it comes down to distance runners, two names, let's be honest, stick in most people's heads, Paula Radcliffe. Because yep. she was identifiable, because she set some records, and she had that funny head nod thing, you know. <laughs> yep. Um, but she, it's fair to say, she sort of had this like fall from grace slightly. She went out and set this blistering record in London. I think she just. I think a lot of people think that Paula's career maybe didn't go the way it should have because she never won an Olympic title. Yeah. And, but I mean, she won a world champ. She won a world championship title. She ran the world record in the marathon, which, by the way, still stands at two two hours fifteen. But still stands. Still by, stands. By like still like two minutes. Like it's a huge margin. I think it's a minute and. There's, somebody has run two seventeen low. I can't remember her name now, is but that's in a mixed race. Mary was it Mary? It Kitani? might it might have been Mary Katani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was um, in London. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was in a women's only race. So that yeah. is currently the women's only world record. Which Paula did incidentally also have at about seventeen and a half minutes. Which I think was in Chicago. I think she ran that in Chicago, the marathon, the race before she set the yeah, the mixed the, record as it is now called in London. London, yeah. Which I wanna say was in two thousand and five. I wouldn't have a clue to be honest. Well, the, the key thing that <laughs> I remember, was, was, I mean, it was before either of us really even knew what running was. We were still in no. short pants in those days. Yeah. But 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 the one thing that I can relate to it is my dad who has run the marathon shout out dad um <laughs> <laughs> he has run the london marathon four or five times i think and he was running on that oh, day in, yeah. in 2005 so somewhere at home he's got the 2005 medal and he can say that he was running in a world record race that's pretty cool you know which is a nice little claim to fame <laughs> but, but what he also gets to say is that a woman put about two hours on him. yeah that's a fact yeah he ran I, I don't know what time he ran for that four hours something probably but he has run under four so shout out dad um, but like I say, so obviously Paula Radcliffe, you know, without going off on too much of a tangent on her, you know, she was this sort of figurehead that 10 years ago, it felt like the world kind of really knew and understood and got behind. Yeah. And then since then, in the world of running, the next big name, certainly to come out of the UK to run anything, you know, distance wise is obviously Mo Farah. Yeah, of course. You know, who's had this enormous success on the track and has been this kind of figurehead for, you know, probably world running realistically i mean yeah i think so and i think he's been partially responsible as well for like we were just saying that sort of resurgence in people in this country really getting out and running he's sort of inspired quite a few people oh hugely. whatever whatever you may think about mo farah with the recent drama that's come out with alberto salazar and things like that which we'll touch on another time maybe in a different podcast he's really got a lot of people into the sport and that's yeah. as valuable really as any amount of olympic gold medals or fast times or whatever and the thing is i think it's because he's been successful like obviously any country can chuck out a dozen distance runners but to chuck out one 
who is as successful as Mo, especially on the track, who's got, you know, certainly I'm thinking to the Rio Olympics where he fell and then came back and one, yeah. you know, I was screaming at the television when he was doing that. <laughs> exactly. And I think whole, the half the nation was with you. Exactly. You know, but also, and this is what's really important, and this is not to go off on a tangent, but the fact that he is a British bloke who speaks great English, you know, who loves yeah, well. to watch football and all that kind of thing. He's this relatable character. Yeah, you know, because... just. He was just, until he sort of moved to America and started really taking it seriously, he was just another guy. Like, he was a big Arsenal fan. Like, he had his family, he had his wife and his kids. And yeah, who were also really present at the races as well. And I think that yeah. helps his image. Mm. Um, so, it's you know, it's really interesting because the thing is, when you think about these, like, world record runs and these hard runs, you know, maybe people do, maybe a, a generation older than us, possibly, think about you know kind of like these dusty ethiopian barefoot runners yeah you know running at sunrise in the middle of nowhere and, and we look <laughs> at that from our you know from our sofas in the in the western world going god i don't fancy that you no, know not and at all. You, well in terms of british just going back to british long distance running can you tell us or do you even know who the last British man to win the London Marathon was. I don't, no. Oh, you have no, no idea. Not, <laughs> and I bet a lot of people here listening don't. It was Eamon no. Martin. There we go. Eamon shout Martin in, I think, the 90s or something like that. Shout out, Mr. Martin. Shout out, Mr. Martin, exactly. There we go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I say, so it's, you know, the whole concept of the marathon is something that all of a sudden, because of, you know, people like Mo Farah, because of this two-hour concept, all of a sudden has now become incredibly attractive, I don't know how it works prize money wise, but I would imagine that because the marathon has now got so much more attention and so much growing, I'd imagine that there's probably more attraction for runners maybe to get involved with the marathon because they're being on yeah, television. There's, big, there's these big feature events rather than a middle of nowhere track meet with somebody running a 5K. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, yeah. So what you're seeing a lot of the top runners do is move towards road running now. And a lot of the reason for that is because there is more financial incentive in road running. It doesn't necessarily have to be the marathon. There's a lot of money in sort of the 10K and the half marathon and the 5K on the roads is an upcoming event as well. But generally speaking, the marathon is where a lot of the money is in long distance running at the moment. Yeah. Um, and some of that is in appearance fees. The better you are, the more you can charge for sort of an appearance fee. A lot of it is in prize money. A lot more sponsors would be more, more sort of willing to take you on well, as a marathon got, runner. You've got two hours on the television with, well, your, yeah, with your shoe exactly. logo flashing up and down rather than 10 exactly. seconds with Usain Bolt going zoom like that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no. A 100-meter runner would definitely get more opportunities than a marathon runner. No, I, but I, I, from that's a, a little tongue-in-cheek. But, but from a television standpoint, yes, the sponsors. No, you so are right, yeah. That's what I mean. But, but yeah, so it seems incredible that you know all of a sudden the marathon is is this kind of you know because it's a horrible race i mean and here we go here's a big disclaimer i'm gonna throw it out there neither kieran or i have actually finished and run a proper like evented marathon no we have not <laughs> so obviously it's fair to say that you know maybe pinch of salt with all of this if that's the yeah, way you want to read it I would back myself up to have a fair bit of experience with running but yeah no as far as running a, a fast marathon feels I don't know that because yeah. I've never done it. I've never gone out there and done it. I have run a relatively decent half marathon around 64 and a half minutes at the Manchester half last year. And I pacemaked at London marathon this year. Yeah. Uh, I went 66 through the half and then carried that on through to 25 K. But I mean, at that point you've still got, what is it? 17? Yeah. 17 and a bit kilometers to go. 
Yeah, so and that's where the real that's where the marathon starts. The marathon starts at about thirty k. That's it. Yeah. So so kind of what I was building up to is that it, it's it's a hard, horrible race, and to, yeah, to make <laughs> considering I was knackered before I even reached the hypothetical start line. Yeah, I was knackered watching you, mate. Yeah, um, I was. Yeah, you know, I was going to say that it's is it's amazing that this hard, horrible thing that humans for some reason choose to do to themselves mm. has become attractive and has become almost like you know, like a kind of a, you know, when people go on holiday to have their picture taken next to that destination, yeah. it's people want to run over that finish line to say they run a marathon. You know, it seemed to be kind yeah, of a absolutely. significant milestone for a lot of people. And and that astounds me because, you know, if, why, like, why would you do it to yourself? Nothing about it makes <laughs> sense, but, but that's part of the human condition is that... Ev- but everyone... you've always still said like, oh no, I really want to run the London Marathon. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. As much as you're questioning like, no, this is going to suck. Like, why am I going to do this? You still really want to do it. And I'm still, I'm sat here saying like, yeah, it's really hard. Like the two half marathons that I've run in my career, I've really struggled in the last mile or so of them. Yeah. But I'm still going to eventually run a marathon. Yeah, and this is it. And I, I think I should also shout out my disclaimer is that I have applied every year for the London Marathon in the ballot. It's not through it's not through laziness, but I have this stubborn but slightly romantic idea in my head of the London Marathon will be the first marathon that I run. Uh, and again, shout out, Dad, but I do want to beat your best time when I oh, run when it he for get, the first time. When he gets into the London Marathon... I'm going to coach him and he's going to run sub three. That's, so it, well, we've already is, made this agreement. Yeah, he he well, doesn't actually really agree to it, but I think he can do it. Well, and I'm just going to force him to basically. Well, my, my goal would be 200 minutes for a marathon. So that's what, 320? I think so. Yeah, I mean, that's shifting. Don't get that me is, wrong. No, but, that's but Kieran, strong running. But Kieran has then, like we say, thrown down the gauntlet for me running sub three, which sounds immensely exciting. But we're not talking about sub three today. We are talking about sub two. Yeah, um, so just, uh, just you know, only an hour ahead. Yeah, which sounds really scary when you say it like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I say, so it's really exciting for Kieran and I to have followed this concept that has become this red hot topic over the last, you know, certainly over the last two years. Mm, oh, um, massively. And you know, and certainly in my experience, one of the key things that stands out to me, again, I'll talk about my experience on YouTube, is that my YouTube channel before I made the video that we're about to talk about was literally it was just me mucking around with friends me going to places and and just not really not really having any focus on a subject and I was just making videos of what I was doing yeah I think it's fair to say that it was fairly sort of a fairly amateur operation and then this exciting event rolled around where Kipchoge was going to try and run sub two hours for the marathon and you sort of saw an opportunity and yeah, I mean, the whole the whole idea of it is, is I'd wanted to make a video about running. I think that's even the description of the videos. I wanted to make a video about running, but I didn't know which route to go down because yeah. there's, you know, running is a is a fluid sport as you can run down the road, you can run, you know, an ultra marathon, you, you can do anything you want. Yeah, there are so many directions that you could have gone in. And I had heard about this whole concept that Nike had come up with called Breaking 2, and the idea is quite simple, is that the London, or sorry, beg your pardon, the marathon world record at that time was held by a guy called Dennis Kometo, and it was set in Berlin, and we'll talk about Berlin Marathon a little bit later, uh, but it was two hours, two minutes, and 57 seconds, yep. which is going. like That is know, moving, yeah. Like, <laughs> that, is that is shifting. Well, to put that into context, I think still there's only about five, maybe six guys that have ever run under 203 yeah and that all changed this year i was gonna say that's that's literally the that's last, <laughs> last couple of years coming into, just... I mean, before before 2019 it was only two i believe yeah yeah literally yeah. so 
But it must have been because it was him and the world record. It was basically. him and Kipchoge, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so this whole this whole concept come up. But you know, when you say it like that, you go, well, over two hours, you know, two hours of running, you know, two or three minutes, you'd think, oh, it's, that's achievable somewhere. And Nike obviously thought the same. So what they did is they had this really scientific kind of planned out event where they got a racetrack in Italy, Monza, for any Formula One fans, you know, the Cathedral of Speed, it's got all these nicknames, but it's a <laughs> long, straight, flat course where... A nice sort of sweeping turn, so there's no yeah. sort of energy lost. It, it is a place for race cars to go fast, like yeah. seriously quick. And the whole idea of it was they can control the environment, they can develop all these brand new shoes, and they can put, you know, different types of you know, running shorts and running vests and all this sort of technology that Nike invest in. They can yeah. cover their athletes in that. And I think we probably could do a tangent. I could do a whole podcast on those bloody shoes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. we do we'll discuss them a bit. Yeah, like. exactly. So so they, they put this they put this to the test and they took three athletes, none of which were, you know, kind of in the public eye as much as maybe they are now. Obviously, you know, Kipchoge, Not even close Kipchoge now, yeah. was kind of, he was a guy that was starting to really make a name for himself because he'd won something like four five marathons i think yeah I'm, i can't actually remember well what the, we know is the only marathon that kipchoge had ever lost to this point and still was yeah. he finished second to dennis Cometo when he set the world record in berlin yeah which was like 2033 something like that i think the record was at the time so I think, yeah you know so it, it's but the thing is like even the fact that we're struggling to remember beforehand shows the significance it shows what, how much yeah how much he's developed as an athlete of, as, as what kipchoge did on this day and this was in i want to say april of was 2017 was it 17 or 16 i think it's it was 17, 17 yeah because yeah. i remember because i remember because i was in london and i watched the end of the race and it was daniel wanjiru who won that race in like 205 something but obviously yeah he's not really been a significant player since in no. that in that field so because obviously all the other big names had had got involved in this project you know so so, so was, we'll just quickly touch on who the other two were because i yeah. mean they were very good runners the fact that kipchoge sort of ended up in the end he blew them away in this project yeah i mean the other one of the other guys was the world record holder in the half marathon certainly yeah. today but that's gone what twice now since then since that time the world uh record? it went but then the guy was caught doping yeah but they've just literally a guy in copenhagen literally just broke it a couple of weeks um, ago didn't yeah they? yeah and then yeah. then it has since gone yeah but fun fact about the guy that was caught doping he was at the hotel that we were at before the london marathon and before I got there, I like arrived you to sort of this bus. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. Say, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just saw him tapping his arm. <laughs> no, no, yeah. So I got there, and there was all of this sort of commotion. I was like, "Oh, what's going on?" And they were like, "Oh, yeah, this guy's just been found out for blood doping. Like oh, his blood passport, his blood passport came back as like doping. Oh, so they just kicked him out. Oh wow! <laughs> they just yeah. sent him back to wherever it was that he came from. And jeez, yeah, up. he wasn't allowed to run the London Marathon because he was one of the favourites going in. Yeah. But so yeah, it was. The current world, the, well, what was at the time the world half marathon record holders, as yeah. today say, and then it was Lalisa de Cesar who had won the Boston Marathon twice, and obviously the Boston Marathon is hugely historic marathon. Yeah, a lot of people go, like a lot of the top runners, it's a destination compete. marathon. Yeah, it's it's like a bucket list. Is marathon. it a major? It's not a major. It is. It is one of the it world marathon major. majors. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's three ones, three of them in America: the Chicago, New York, and Boston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't ask why America gets three and everybody else only gets one, but yeah, yeah, America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there was Lisa de Cesar who had won the Boston Marathon twice, and especially winning it after they had that unfortunate bombing in Boston as well was yeah. really iconic. So 
Yeah. They had these three great athletes and the fact that Kipchoge really separated himself as being sort of head and shoulders above these two guys that were in their own right the best in the world. Yeah. Was kind of what shot him, I think, into the spotlight. Yeah, and the thing is, and it's well worth pointing out that before then, I mean, his, you know, for, for us all listening here, I mean, he's, I think his PB was something like 204. It was like, yeah, it was really, I think it was, it was 204 on the nose or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was world class. And I mean, obviously it was good enough that he won the yeah. Olympics in 2016. But the thing is, is though it wasn't, you know, it, it, he wasn't this like household name in the, well, I say household name, it's a bit overstating, but he wasn't <laughs> this kind of, you know, really significant player. He no, wasn't, he wasn't like one of the sort of the track and field rock stars. He wasn't like your Mo Farah's or yeah. like your Jess Ennis's. Like he wasn't one of those huge names. That's it. Or and even on international terms, like, I'm sure most people listening to this will have heard of Haile Gebre Selassie or yeah. Kennedy Sibakeli or going even further back like Emil Zatopek, like these big household names, these rock stars of distance running. Yeah. He wasn't one of those guys. No, that's it. And, and you know, to, to cut us sort of a longer story short, in the end, they, they did this race and it was done, you know, it was an absolutely astonishing event to watch how it all was put together. Yeah, it was like watching a science experiment. Yeah, and the most painful thing about all of it is that they ran two hours flat and about 25 seconds. Yep, two you hours, know, dead, 25. You know, so you, when you actually think about that, over a 26-mile race, you're actually, you're talking less than a second per mile you know, which is a, what you couldn't make it any more frustrating. That's, yeah, it couldn't be any you know, closer. Short, really short of finishing, you know, literally like two hours and one second. You couldn't make it any closer <laughs> if you tried. Um, and as a result, you know, Kipchoge, like I say, he he pulled out this thing because he improved his own time by X amount of I minutes. Mean, yeah, it was three minutes, three or more minutes. Yeah. And I think that's what really brought it home to the general public of like, yeah. whoa, okay. And even the running community, I didn't think he was going to get that close. No. I really didn't. I thought he'd run about, I thought he'd probably run the world record. Yeah. But he'd run like 202 mid or 202 low. Yeah. And that brought it home to everyone. Like, oh, yeah. this is possible. And and that was the A big human thing. being can run sub two hours for the marathon. And that's where it, credit to Nike and credit to Breaking 2 and that project. That's what I think really kick-started this whole sort no, of obsession with the two-hour marathon and and you know what i'm like saying basically building up to what i was saying before we went off on this huge tangent the video that i made <laughs> about this because this is where we started is that i made this video kind of breaking down the pace of how quick you actually need to run and it's blistering yeah. oh it's ridiculous it is it's is, it is frightningly fast you know and we've talked about me being a sub five minute miler you know so me after 10 weeks of training and going for it ran my mile in 4.57 and this you know this concept this two hour concept you need to be running 4 minutes 34 seconds for 26 miles which is insane yeah it's, it's crazy speed. for even further context I mean I am good enough at running that I can sort of you know make pretty much a living for myself out of this out of the sport and my personal best for the 10k which is 6 miles is 4.34 pace it's yeah. 28.37 You'd have to go about that pace for an entire marathon for four 10Ks back to back to back with an additional two and a bit K. Yeah, yeah. And and something that I like to you know point out is, so in this video that I, I make about it, I point out all these little comparisons and they involve things like 17 seconds on 100 meters or my favorite one personally was going to the gym. Yeah, and you can do this. If you're going to the gym today, try it out. Jump on the treadmill, 
crank the treadmill as hard as it will go and it will probably go something like 20 kilometers it's, an hour yeah most of them usually go to about five minute mile pace yeah exactly and you are not even close you need to be going at least another you know, you know 25 seconds a mile quicker you yeah, need to be going like, it's yeah. crazy how fast he's actually going the fact that like the owners of these gyms or treadmill companies won't let average humans run that yeah. fast. <laughs> like they're saying to you, no, you're not allowed to go this quick because it's you're dangerous. Hurting, yeah, you're it's literally, it's dangerous for you, know. you to go that fast. And he's doing that for two hours. Yeah. And the thing is, is, you know, like I said, Kipchoge is kind of the figurehead for this because obviously he's come so close. Um, but he wasn't the world record holder when he did it. And unfortunately, due to the way that this attempt was set out, they said it wasn't going to account for a world record um, because it wasn't on like a ratified course. And there was the thing with paces, basically, where the paces were swapping in and swapping out. Whereas in, you know, a yeah. proper road race, you need to have one set of paces. Need to, well, what needs to happen is the pacemakers have to start at the start. Right. Instead of what would happen is they would go for... I think it was 5k at a time so they go for two laps of the monza course and then some of them would peel off every lap and some of them would then join and yeah. because they had pacemakers joining halfway through or sort of at intermittent intervals during the race that was what made it then illegal and they also had a pace car with a laser that projected exactly i think it was 159 59 oh, how fun yeah, yeah. Which eventually the pace car, you know, I mean, it beat Kipchoge by 26 seconds, but yeah. that was always there. And I think they may have also had on the car their projected time. I think or that had, may have been. definitely had a clock on it, yeah. It had a clock on it, or maybe that was like superimposed by the on the sort of screen. I don't know. But either way, there was, a, there was just a few things that meant that the IAAF couldn't ratify it as a yeah. world record. But, but even still, I mean, there's a few interviews and things that you can see certainly in the build-up to the London Marathon this year that I remember seeing where they'd interview Kipchoge and they said something like, you know, one of these interviewers said to Kipchoge, like, oh, what do you think about the failure of breaking two? <laughs> and, you know, Kipchoge instantly sort of goes, let me tell you, it was the biggest success in marathon running to this point. You know, yeah, and I that's still widely regarded as one of the greatest endurance performances of all time. I yeah. mean, that's right up there with, you know, Paula's marathon world record and with Zatopek winning the gold in the 5,000, 10,000 in the marathon. And like, it's just, it's one of the greatest endurance performances of all time. And of course, his eventual world record. Yeah. So, you know, moving away from kind of, you know, this, this breaking two project, you know, because it was this iconic moment really for a lot of people where, like you said, the, the running community and even maybe people at home kind of sat up and went, wow, like that is, yeah. you know, because the thing is, when you watch marathons, you watch the London Marathon, if you're not into it, the likelihood of the average bloke putting on the television to watch a bunch of guys running along for two hours in usually what is a fairly steady pack, you know, you don't have that perspe perspective of speed. No, and not this, at all. I think, really made people sit up and go, wow. So really from there... And actually, just going off of that, I think that's why the video did so well. Yeah is because you broke it down for people so that they could really, it really hammers home like just how quick they are running for that amount of time. Yeah. I think that's what sort of resonated with people and that's why yeah. you've got you know, 1.2 or however many it is, million it's, views yeah, now. It's mad. Yeah, to talk about the, the video very briefly before we move on, I uploaded that as just basically this pokey kid. I uploaded it from my desk when I was at work one day and I also put it onto the running subreddit um, of, of Reddit and within a few hours, it had gone to the top of the running subreddit. 
and I think in a day it got something like 500 views. And this is somebody who had about 40 subscribers who are probably all my mates. And my yeah, most viewed video was, you know, was nothing at it was that like time. 20 something. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden I get 500 views in a day and it goes to a thousand. Then before I know it at the weekend, it's at like 10,000. I'm going like, wow, you know, cause it feels yeah. so exciting. It just kept this momentum growing and growing. Um, and then, I mean, I mean, how many how many views does a video get before it's considered viral? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it wasn't quite because the, the, the viral thing wasn't there. But you know, for me to now be somebody who has more than a million views on YouTube is hugely, hugely exciting. Um, and like I say, you know, we we've then kind of subsequently gone back, and I've actually touched on the concept another couple of times by looking at the London Marathon and some of Kipchoge's performances. And you know, I released that video of Kipchoge oh. running the London Marathon. Yeah, yeah, of London of, this year, yeah. And kind of catching up on what he'd done between Breaking 2 and April 2019. And again, that one Which went... is actually quite a nice little segue to talk yeah. about what has... <laughs> fill us in, what has Kipchoge done between well, then and now? Yeah, so basically he obviously ran this, you know, crazy two-hour time in Monza. And then from there he went on... I'm trying to think what the next race he ran after. That must have been... Was it Berlin? It would have been... No, it was, no, it was London. no. I can't remember. <laughs> Neither can I. When was when was Monza? Was Monza was in the springtime, it, it was, wasn't it? it? Was so he April. would have then gone and run Berlin, yeah. and run the world record there. No, no, because that was because it was 2017. So did he? Did, what did he do in 2017? I so yeah, remember. 2017. Yeah, he did Monza and then Berlin. Yeah, and he, then 2018 was London, Berlin, and then this year London, Ineos. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. so, so so essentially he ran he his first world record in Berlin. Yeah. After after that, and it was no was no it? no. He ran that. He didn't run the world record in 2017. He didn't Did run it. No, I think oh. he I think he ran something quick, but I think it was wet or something like that. It was some weather thing that meant. Okay. He, but anyway, so he so he, he finished he finished his Monza run, and sort of was catapulted into this kind of figurehead at the top, and then he has then like I said come to London, and I remember watching the London. Must have been what the London 2018 race. Yes. And was that the one where he that missed was the world that record? Day. No, that was the hot one, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So he um that was yeah it was the hottest London marathon ever on record, but he still won it convincingly and comfortably. Yeah, and sort of I think it was 203 or so, or maybe 204. Yeah, that's Something, it. I mean, yeah, absolutely put everybody else away. But the thing is, is it you know is it all of a sudden Kipchoge was this figurehead that certainly I recognized when I was running and I think the general population began to recognize as well. And this all built really towards Berlin 2018, which that's where he set the world record. And I tell you what I remember. So this is a Sunday morning, you know, and they start, it must be UK, UK nine o'clock time. Yeah, or eight nine or something, 10, like that. something like that. Yeah. You know, for, we should know cause we both watched it like a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, they, I remember I got up earlier, found some weird, German streaming website to watch this world record because I think it was fair to say there was enough. I don't think it was officially said he's going to go for the world record. But I no, think but it anyone, was kind of anyone who sort of knew it was obvious. The, wasn't yeah, it? anyone sort of within the running community thought like, okay, this is his chance to really go for it. Yeah, and you know conditions were bang on yeah. for for him on this day, and conditions were bang on, but pacemakers weren't. No, let's talk a little bit about the pacemakers because. Kipchoge has must have said to them like, yeah, we're, I want to really for go it. for it today. Yeah. Like we're we're moving today. Like take me through fast. Well, and I think he's the pacemaker that lasted. It was either fifteen or twenty k when he 
dropped all the pacemakers. They were well, gone. They couldn't stay with him. Well, the way that I remember it is that I think I read somewhere that it said that he told the world record, he told the pacemakers, sorry, to go out at world record pace. Mm. That's what he said to them. He was like, right, guys, you are taking me through at world record pace. Which at the time would have been about 61.15, something yeah. like that. Yeah, so obviously really shifting. Um, but like you've said, Kieran, that yeah, the, these pacemakers, they, they just couldn't keep up. You know, no. you're, you're running with a guy who's like, I'm going to go faster than anyone ever has before. <laughs> and these, these pacemakers are world-class runners in their yeah. own right. I mean, these are probably, I don't know exactly who they are, but you're looking at, they've probably run sub 61 for the half marathon. Yeah. And they've probably run close to 27 for the 10K. Yeah, exactly. And then, like you said, they, they two of them dropped him after, I think like one of them, the first one dropped off something like 15K. Yeah. You know, which, which in the, in the scheme of record, and somebody like you who has paced a major world marathon, you know, at they, what I mean, they you expect you to go to halfway. Yeah. I I should be careful about how much I can say, but it was written in my contract that if I didn't get to halfway, I probably wasn't going to get paid. Yeah. So, you know, that sort of speaks to you about the pressure that these guys are under to perform yeah. and the training that they need to do is that, you know, 15K is not a... <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know if that guy actually got his money or not. Yeah, he probably yeah. did because... Because of the yeah, Kip Choge went on and broke the world record and ran what he ran. Yeah, but um, but yeah, to, to peel off after that, to peel off so early, was was quite surprising for some Which people. Means that, yeah, I mean, it's just the pace was just so relentless they couldn't keep up. And yeah. the craziest thing about that run is that the pacemakers struggled in the first half with that relentless pace, and Kip Choge went on to negative split that he run. He sped ran up. He ran the second half in about sixty, what, uh, 60 thirty or something. Yeah, like I think that. sixty thirty three. Yeah, crazy which is madness. Like yeah, you know. So, and 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 the biggest thing with all of this is that this is completely uncharted territory. You know, he was literally running faster than anybody ever before. You know, because the he, thing is, yeah, he was. I mean, he was running faster in that second half of Berlin, probably than anyone conceived possible yeah. in a legitimate big city ma marathon major. And this is it. And the thing is, like, he we knew he was chasing a world record, but when the splits started to come home, it was like he's a second under the world record. Now he's five seconds under, and all of a sudden, it was like. 30 40 seconds under yeah, world record. Yeah, it was a case pace. of he's breaking the world record, but oh my god, like what time is he going to run here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was this kind of crazy thing. Um and as it turns out, he then went on to absolutely destroy the world record. <laughs> 2 hours, 1 minute and 39 seconds. Yeah. And you know what? I watched that quite a lot just because it's one of those unbelievable moments and he looks cool as a cucumber coming yeah, well, to the finish he comes through the finish line and he hasn't had enough he keeps on running he probably yeah. if anything he runs his fastest bit of the race after he's crossed the finish line <laughs> and he goes and hugs whoever it is that he goes Patrick Sang his coach is it, is yeah. Coat? Yeah, yeah Patrick yeah. Sang so yeah he goes and hugs Patrick <laughs> yeah and, and that's just unbelievable you know and you think this you know and you can make any accusations you want but he's been doing it long enough that you know he's kind of he knows what he's doing and any any anything that might have been illegitimate I think would have been figured out by now yeah no, I think less time spent on that subject the better because I think we want to really focus on sort of exactly the, the insane performances but I don't care how many drugs you take if you're going to run a sub two hour marathon that's still ridiculous but like, like I say it just seems you, astounding <laughs> that I was going to say you could dope my blood to the <laughs> eyeballs and I wouldn't be anywhere close to two hours this is it you know but um but yeah you know but the thing about that is you know is not to talk about any accusations or anything silly like that it is literally just to say that he's coming up faster than anybody's ever run before he knows the record is his he, and you know he still goes he doesn't even look tired no he really yeah. doesn't and that is as you'll know as well part of kind of you get that euphoria when you have a really good run and yeah. you sort of you do feel quite up and you don't like you look back on it and you think like Ah, that wasn't even that hard. Yeah. Like I was barely trying. And 
and oh. you do look like that as well when you're doing it, when yeah. you're having sort of that magic moment. But like, come on, yeah, he was be, still be, t- be tired, please. <laughs> you just you just won the world. He record. just looked unbelievably good. Yeah. So so this is it. So so obviously the whole the whole kind of world record before and after is is you know people had chipped away at this world record. They're going like that and. Yeah, we're talking Dennis Kometo, we're talking Wilson Kipsang, and these people had improved yeah, Gebra Selassie you know, and three, four, they, five seconds at a time. Kipchoge, for context, this this record that he ran was like 70-something seconds quicker. It was over a minute quicker yeah. than the previous record. And anyone listening to this right now, you can go onto Wikipedia, World Marathon Progression, and you can see the last time somebody improved the world record by over a minute is like 1969, I want to say. Yeah. Well, it was it was basically it was totally it was the biggest improvement on a world marathon record for 50 years. Yeah, enormous. Which is, I mean, back in those days, they hadn't really fully figured out how to train properly yet. Yeah. So just somebody just figuring out a new method of training suddenly gives them such a massive edge over everybody else. And they can then, you know, they can break the record by a long, a long way. Yeah, so it's this it's this crazy, crazy concept that um, that he's managed to go out and do, and I think it's fair to say that the excitement for everyone else has gone up and up and up. But and here's the big but: is put yourself in Kipchoge's shoes. He's won everything apart from one that he's ever run before. You know, he's done this amazing special event, which has sort of catapulted him into this sort of you know kind of rock star level of running, superstardom. Yeah. But he did miss this target by 25 seconds. You know, that's, I mean, yeah, like you say, from putting yourself in his shoes, he's only really in the running world got one bit of unfinished business. He's yeah. won all of the world marathon majors that he's tried to do. Berlin and London, he's won a whole bunch four of times. Four times each, yeah, I want to say, something yeah. like that. Something like that. Yeah. Check it out on Wikipedia once while she's looking at the marathon yeah. progression. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's he's won the Olympics. I don't think he's particularly bothered about doing the world championship marathon just because Does he's not got to prove anything, has he? He just yeah, exactly. He knows he's the best in the world. He's yeah. won the Olympics. That's the sort of golden holy grail, if you will. Yeah, of, achievement for him. Yeah, yeah, basically. Of competitive sort of yeah. this is a race times don't matter type yeah. of type of marathon. So he's only really got one thing left to try and do, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and naturally, no, no, no surprises what that is going to be, is, is crack this two-hour concept, you know. Imagine that you suddenly have the opportunity to become Neil Armstrong, to become Chuck Yeager, to become one of these figureheads. And it really is on that kind of level. I mean, he's probably looking at being like, I can outdo Roger Bannister here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And that really is the level that he's on. This is the same as Roger Bannister running the four minute mile for the first time, the first person to sprint under 10 seconds for the hundred meters. Like, yeah, it's huge. They're these significant barriers. And the thing is, I think it's one of those things is when you're so used to it, you know, I am used. If you ask me how fast does a, a marathon winner run a race, 204, 205. And it sounds casual. When it you sounds that. casual, but to be able to take this huge milestone off, all of a sudden you do wonder whether there'll be this moment of, because what is it, once Roger Bannister broke four minutes, you know, some people are saying, oh, yeah, it's, it's physically impossible it's, for yeah, they're saying you d- you die, your lungs would explode if you... Yeah. <laughs> like but he did this, he did this um, you know, 359.4 or whatever he ran back in that day. And then within, I think, a year, I think three other people had done yeah, it. tons of people have done it. And what a lot of people don't know as well is Chris Chataway, one of the guys who paced Roger in that run, ended up actually running quicker for the mile than Bannister ever did. Wow, how funny. Yeah. So I didn't know that. He yeah. wasn't even the best guy in that race. 
but he was the first person to do it, and that's why he's been immortalized. Exactly. That's why he's going to go down in history as, you know, Roger Bannister, the four-minute miler. And that's it. And I think Kipchoge sees, you know, and his whole tagline through life is, is no human is limited. And, mm. and, you know, you've got to watch a documentary or something on this guy because, uh, you know... Oh, he's just an, he's an incredible human being. Yeah, it's it's just one of the... His mindset and the way that he sees things is, is quite incredible. I get... You know, I'll be honest, he's a bit of a man crush for me just because of... <laughs> Just because of this tiny African man who I've never met is just this, you know, he's just got this incredible mindset of we can do anything we want to do. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you, you say this so tiny calmly. man who you've never met. I mean, I have met him and there is an aura about the guy. Yeah, like, a lot of people say that. He just carries himself in a way that's just like, honestly, it's, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but like Christ-like. <laughs> he really is. Would well, you know what? Some One of the comments that I read, it might have been a, on one of my YouTube videos about him, actually. Um, it says something like, Kipchoge is the kind of guy that can say something as simple as good morning and you'd feel the need to write it down in a book or yeah, something like that. No, like, absolutely. It has this kind of wisdom about it. And, um, and, you know, and through this peaceful mind and this kind of way that he carries himself, I think he's realized himself that he's the man to to really bring this home to a lot of people and yeah definitely and he's he's been on record I think as saying like this is something that can be done and I'm the one to do it. Yeah and and the thing is I think let's say for example that even if he doesn't do it let's say he goes through his career and he can't break it I think he is still that stepping stone to He's, go from it's not possible to it is absolutely yeah you know? yeah for sure uh, and you know and i think it's really i think something we can talk about in a, in a moment is is what happened just the other day at the berlin marathon i think we can sort of do our well, comparisons. I tell you, yeah let's um let's get into that now and then we'll yeah. talk about the the ineos project yeah okay yeah. so so yeah so like i say so put put yourself in the picture of, of this is no one's ever fathomed anyone running as fast as kipchoge did in 2018 right so he run, run goes out there and runs this ballistic world record first person to go sub 202 beats the record by a minute and a half you know how, how much absolutely destroys it. it i mean it's people are like i say people regard that as one of the best endurance performances of all time yeah. and and the world is sort of flabbergasted by it and then enter kenny sibakele yeah. in 2019 i and, mean for some background and some context on bakele i mean he's a multiple time world and olympic champion over 5000 meters 10000 meters and cross country and he currently does still hold the record for, first of all, the most medals at the World Cross Country and most consecutive wins, which I believe is six or seven wow. he has. Uh, that's consecutive wins. Total medals is something absolutely ridiculous, including long course, short course, and team. It's like 20 or something ludicrous like that <laughs> from the World Cross. He also has the world record for the 5,000 at 12.37, I want to say. Okay, no, sorry. the 10,000. Be just before we go on, just say that again. So everyone who might listen, who might run their you know, um, their park run 5k, if they run that in 25 minutes, whatever you run it, congratulations for finishing, but just say that world record for 5k again. So the world record for 5k, Kenan Bekele, the guy who we're about to start chatting about 1237. 12 and a half minutes. Imagine licking it round your park run in, in, 12, and a half. in 12 and a half minutes. I'm not Which, sure I could drive around that in that sort of time. It'd be tough. I mean, around here with traffic. And yeah, things. exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, just for some context on that as well, that's, 60 second laps 60 60 point i think it's 60.6 or something like that for seconds per lap that's I'm gross sure, i'm that's sure somebody gross. will comment like no it's actually 60.543 but whichever way you that's it. i mean that's close to four minute mile pace yeah and we were just talking about how much of an achievement a four minute mile is yeah yeah yeah. but kaylee would have gone through the mile in that race in probably about 403 and then 404 
kept going. And then, yeah, done, <laughs> and done three it three times, times and then yeah. done another 100 and whatever it is meters. Yeah. 180 or so meters. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. crazy. So, um, but not as crazy. Well, no, probably <laughs> equally as crazy. <laughs> equally as, as crazy yeah. as what he did in Berlin. Yeah. So I think it's important to, to give some context to this. So this event that's coming up later, this Ineos thing, which we've tickled a couple of times so far, this has actually taken out some of the big names in the marathon scene because obviously Kipchoge would normally be on the start line of Berlin. It's where he's run a lot of these iconic races, but he and a lot of other people were not taking part this year. So the build-up was, you know, we're not sure who's going to win and we're not sure what times are going to be run. Yeah, it was everyone was quite, everyone was quite focused on this Ineos project and sort of overlooking Berlin thinking like, yeah, like it's the Berlin Marathon, like people will do fairly well there, but I don't think it's going to be anything too special this year. What we're really looking forward to is the Ineos project in a couple of weeks. And even though they knew Bekele was running and they knew the class of Bekele, for some background on what he's been up to since that record and since his absolutely incredible performances over the five and 10,000 on the track, is he's had sort of, until now, quite a rocky progression into the marathon. He's run, He ran a fast time at, I think it was Berlin a few years ago, one of the years that Kipchoge didn't run. He ran 203.03, I believe, at yeah. Berlin. Um. So he's obviously got a good time to his name, but he'd been dropping out of a lot of marathons and just sort of underperforming quite a lot in the build-up into this race. But obviously he was in shape. But yeah. yeah, a lot of people had counted him out. Yeah, and I mean, talking about in shape, in shape he was because as everyone lined up on the start line, you know, it was, it, you know, conditions were good, it's fair to say. Very good, yeah. You know, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but, you know, the race got going and I don't think there was any surprises in the first half. Is that is that the right way to say it? No, definitely not. I mean, it was it was a steady pace. I mean, they went 61, I, or 61, 11 or something like that through the half. Um, but Kaylee was he was with it. He got dropped actually at one point around i think it was about 25k something like that do you, do you remember when it was or 30k no, i don't remember exactly when it was no but, but either way i mean there was a point where bekele looked like he was struggling and it was i mean i was watching it and when he first dropped off i sort of thought ah oh, same old bekele like yeah. he's gonna step off to the side of the road again but then i mean we were sort of texting each other at the time and yeah. i said to you like oh hang on a minute like he looks quite good here. Yeah. Like well, he hasn't given up. The thing is, generally, I feel like a marathon is often a race of momentum. It's that kind of you can see what's going to happen probably by about halfway, if you know what I mean. Like Usually, yeah. You know, e even if it's not an exact result, you can kind of get an idea for who's going to finish where and yeah. you know, what sort of well, time. To be fair, I did make the early call that Bekele was looking good. You did? You I did. said, what did I say? I'd say he looks like the Bekele of old. And I, th well, I think you said about the... Yeah, the conditions, everything you said. This could be quick in, ex in caps lock. I think you did. Um, <laughs> this could be quick. But yeah, so but the thing is, you know, typically, I mean, I don't know how many, but it's probably what 80, 80 yards between him and the guy who's in front for a while, something like that. Yeah, something. Like that. Yeah, he dropped him by yeah seven seconds or so, something like that. I think at the at its biggest, the gap was about yeah about eighty meters, about fifteen seconds yeah. or so. Which once you start to see a gap that big in. It's really like easy to, for that gap to look like a very long way when yeah. you're the person behind, and it's very easy to not trust yourself and give up. Yeah. But I mean, he held his form really well, and he sort of he'd never give up. He kept looking at his watch and seeing it, and you'd see him look at his watch and think like, "Oh, I'm still on for a sick time here. Like, let's just carry on." Yeah, yeah. And eventually, the guy I feel bad for not remembering his name now, who it was that got away from him, came back to him. Yeah, yeah. But he came back to him then. 
kind of after we went past this sort of halfway point where this drama had all kicked off of is he going to hang on? Is he what's he going to do? All of a sudden, they like, started picking it up. The, the gear goes, yeah. you know, the, 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 they turn the screw, and all of a sudden, people start talking about records. Yeah. And like, you know, the announcers and people like that start going, we could be looking at something quite shocking here. Yeah. So I can't and remember exactly well, where he, the splits get to, but we get to. Well, let's go like to, 40K. let's fast forward to 40K. Yeah. yeah. Like you say. And he is, I think he's a second ahead of Kipchoge's time yeah. at 40K. He was one second quicker than Kipchoge was going through there. So. I'm sat at home watching that and I was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, what could is about we be, to happen? Could we be on for something? Because there was that element of doubt because of just how hard Kipchoge closed on that day. I mean, like we say, he ran 60, 30 something for the second half of that marathon. Yeah. I and mean, that's insane. Bekele closes well at his best, but that's just ridiculous. Yeah. But then you've got the other side of Bekele was known. He was world renowned as the kicker. Yeah, having that sprint like, finish. Yeah, yeah, like he could really sprint. So if he could close down this last 2K just equally as quick as Kipchoge did, we that's the, he'd break the world record by one second. Yeah, he'd, yeah. he'd run 201.38. Yeah, yeah. But, well, I mean, we all know what happened. It transpired that he didn't quite have it. But yeah. but to be fair, I mean, when you, when you look at all the circumstances, and this is how I remember it happening. So, you know, I've not run in Berlin. I've not been to Berlin. But the one thing that I know is that the Brandenburg Gate, which is this big, like, kind of significant area, it's like, yeah. the, you know, it's like the, the mal equivalent in terms of the, the marathon in, in Berlin. In terms, yeah, it's like a big, iconic venue that's a, close to the finish. Yeah, big, yeah. iconic venue close to the finish, but with a final straight, as it were. And it is a long, old straight. And very long straight, run yeah. up. So, so everything you've got, you can see the finish line. It's getting closer, da, 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 like that. And I remember thinking he's close and being astounded that he's going to break 201 but i thought he's probably just off the he's world probably going to run yeah he's probably going to run you know 20250 something or something like that whatever it might be oh, sorry 20150 something but i tell you what then i remember watching it and it got to 20136 i think it was and me thinking oh no, he's not even close and then all of a sudden the finishing <laughs> tape the just finish a, right there it literally appears yeah. in the bottom of the frame like oh god like that because the thing is if he'd if he'd broken the world record i don't think it would have spoiled the party a little bit but all of a sudden it would have been a bit like oh yeah it's kind of like you weren't supposed to do that yeah don't do that and <laughs> and do you know what i think I, is, I, in fact no I, I think it kind of would have spoiled the party and it might have even messed with kipchoge a little bit messed with like, his head big yeah, time yeah yeah i mean big, we big say time. that he has such an incredibly powerful mind and Maybe it wouldn't have affected him, him at all, but I don't know, something like that after you've had an almost unbelievable run the year before and then somebody comes and runs better than that. i tell you what this is like. Is, uh, the thing is, is he'd have lost, and maybe, maybe he has. I don't think it's fair to say. We'll talk maybe about a quick comparison before we talk about Ineos um, before yeah. the end of this pod. Is that he's almost lost his invincibility a little bit, you, yeah. You get this, and what I mean by that is like, and, and I, I liken this, we've, yeah, we've talked about boxing and things beforehand, you and I, but like, yeah, and to go off on the tangent, Anthony Joshua lost his heavyweight titles to a bloke who wasn't supposed to win, you know, yeah. it, just, it wasn't supposed to it's happen. upsets in sports, I mean, that's why you yeah. go out and you run the race and you fight the fight. And this is it, you know, and the thing is, it spoiled the party, and as a result, Anthony Joshua, who's this absolute monster of a unit, who can go out and smash through and bulldog bulldoze anybody all of a sudden it's now been he's beaten. not invincible anymore yeah and, no exactly and, and it's that same sort of thing if you imagine if you're at the start line of a major marathon and you look over to one 
side and you've got Elliot Kipchoge stood there, you go, oh boy, I'm not winning this. I am not even coming <laughs> close to this. You know, yeah. because, because he's this invincible figure. And you look at his performance in, I think, maybe the 2016 or like the 2017 London Marathon. No, not that one. Maybe 2015, I think it's 2015 London and 2019 London. 2019 London especially. Dominant, yeah. Because Geremu, I think it was, was with him coming up the embankment. Yep. You know, they both look strong. They're on for this sub 203 time, which in London, fast. Ridiculous in London, Really yeah. fast. And he just moves away from me, glides away. Effortlessly, yeah. Almost yeah. effortlessly. Well, it was... I suppose we can mention it again, but it's been mentioned quite a lot of times is the fact that he went over to take a drink and Garamu didn't. Yeah. Which meant that they were on separate sides of the road and Kipchoge decided to use that time just or that moment to just in. go. Yeah. yeah, Just to pick it up just enough, just to get enough of a gap and that just broke him mentally. Yeah. And the reason why he had the confidence to do this is because Kipchoge now had that sort of aura of invincibility about him that he yeah. knew himself. He knew that if he could get a gap, he could trick Garamu into thinking that he felt bad. Yeah. When he didn't really. Like he just and then he just moved away and it yeah. was almost effortless. That's it. He's boss man, you know, and that's that's kind yeah. of what he's picking into. Yeah. yeah. But you say that he may have lost that era of invincibility. I mean, if you put Kipchoge and Bekele on the line of a marathon, I'm gonna back Kipchoge to the death every single day. Yeah, and, and do you know what? I think it's this is what I kind of want to do the comparison because now if you go onto YouTube and you watch the Berlin Marathon highlights, and like I mentioned before, this guy Total Running Productions, he made a video about it earlier this morning that I watched. And all the comments are like, oh, you know, Bekele's back, Bekele's gonna do it, and he could do this and he could do that. The thing important distinctions that I think it's well to make is that Bekele was chasing a target. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're chasing a target, that's very, very different to paving Kipchoge the way. was kind of running free. Yeah, he was... You know, we, we did, we, no one knew what Kipchoge was going to do. We know he was going to beat the world record. Yeah. How well, much. As soon as, I was going to say, as soon as he got under world record pace, his goal was almost achieved in a way. Yeah. Then it was just sort of like, okay, well, how much can I now push myself to this arbitrary time that I might get. I've already exactly. achieved my goal. Now it's just about getting the most out of myself. Exactly. And in those situations, nine times out of 10, you're not able to drain every last bit of energy from yourself and yeah. get the absolute most performance out of yourself possible. And I mean, like we say, we commented on how he looked and how it seemed like he felt at the end of the race. And perhaps that wasn't an all out effort. For yeah. Him. You wonder if he had five or 10% left. Yeah, perhaps. Or just, yeah, a little bit of time sort of, in the yeah in the bank that you yeah. can now use but this is it so then talking about that you've got to wonder if you put the two of them on the start line the thing that is really important to to talk about is that you know no matter which way you cut it Bekele didn't break the world record no he did not and he hasn't beaten Kipchoge in a race Kipchoge has not lost the marathon since way back when you know so it's it's really important to see that as a distinction because everyone who's going oh yeah this and that but ultimately if I think you put them on the side, I think it'd be nerve wracking, but you, you, I think you'd still back Kipchoge just because he's still got that aura of he is the world record holder. I think so as well. well I mean, if, if I can make a bold it. prediction, I would say that, I mean, Bekele would go with Kipchoge and I think Kipchoge would probably win. And then I think other runners would also beat Bekele. I think he just doesn't quite have that same mental capacity as Kipchoge does have. And that's sort of where he's lacking in the marathon. I think that's what sort of separates himself and Kipchoge in sort of their level of 
the level of sort of where their potential lies with the marathon. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, like I said, Bukele had a watch to chase down, whereas with Kipchoge, you have to imagine, if you, if you now said to Kipchoge, right, you know you can run 201 or whatever you can do, do it again, you'd almost back him to do exactly the same. Yeah. And then you'd have Bukele hanging on, going, 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 going. And then if you got towards the end of it, you said, right, Kipchoge, now you need to turn the screw and put the gear in. Could he do it? Feels like he yeah. could. In a race versus those two with other people in, I honestly think Bikeli would probably just drop out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a bold prediction, and no offense to Bikeli or anyone, any Bikeli fans, but I just, yeah, like yeah. I said, I don't think he has the mental capacity to deal with it. But anyway, moving away from Bikeli and Kipchoge yeah. and the battle that may never happen. But just just before we do go on, well done, Bikeli. It was a hell of a run you did. It was <laughs> an incredible run so, and inspiring, I think, to a lot of athletes that are sort of yeah. on a world-class level but are not sure sort of whether they can ever really challenge world records and Kipchoge and the times that he's run. It's sort of shown, I think, to a lot of people and to probably to Mo Farah, actually, as well. Like, yeah. It can be done. Like, yeah. even if you struggle a little bit with the marathon, but you've been successful on the track, just stick with it. That breakthrough will come if you just trust the process and you keep showing up. Exactly. So, so like I say, you know, we we can move on now, but but nevertheless, no matter whether you're a Kipchoge fan, Bekele fan, running fan, whatever you are, just, yeah, you can't take away from how that was just an incredible. Yeah, the, the the Berlin Marathon has produced two outstanding runs in you know, two years. In yeah, two like, years. Roll so, on twenty twenty. Exactly. So God knows what's next for them. But um, yeah. but well, yeah. So I, in fact, actually, I say that, but what I think might happen and what i hope happens is a head-to-head between those two in the olympics yeah i think a lot and i think pretty much every marathon fan out there that's listening will agree with me on that one yeah and that and be interesting as well because obviously that's in total despite the fact that i've pretty much hung the medal around kipchoge's neck (laughs) i think that would be really cool to see but that's it you know and that's that's in tokyo as well and it's interesting that a lot of people reckon that maybe he'll go on to do this two-hour thing we'll talk about now um then maybe he'll either run all of the majors and then retire or he'll run the Olympics and then retire. But mm. um, but it would be interesting. And obviously Tokyo is coming up this time next year. Yep. Um, and Tokyo is also a major marathon circuit. So if he likes running in Japan, Japanese running fans, you might have a world record holder on your streets in the next 12 months. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like I said, you know, obviously we've talked about this whole concept and what the yeah what the marathon has turned into maybe at the heels of Kipchoge has been this amazing, sexy kind of race that is now being idolised. But ultimately, he hasn't run under two hours. And just after Kipchoge won this uh, London Marathon in in, um, April, he announced a project called INEOS 159, which is kind of a a resurgence of breaking two. It's like a new version of it where they're going to finally attempt to crack this two-hour barrier. Yep, and that seems like something that INEOS loved doing because they took over from Team Sky in the cycling and... Placed one and two in the Tour de France this year, which incredible achievement, as we've discussed on your sort of video that you made about this project. Yeah. And I think, yeah, he's got he's got some very good backing there in these guys. It's following quite a similar kind of a model to what Breaking Dude has done. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it's it's structured in there's a lot of similarities in the structure. Yeah, I think is and one way to say. First and foremost is they've been very selective about the location. It's taken yeah. place in Vienna in Austria. They found a nice little street circuit with long straights and then a long sweeping bend around a roundabout and then same thing back back down that long straight long sweeping bend around a roundabout and they're doing that four and a half times yeah four and a bit times something like that yeah so they've been very selective with the course and then they've got the pacemakers once again they've got just 
whole host of world-class athletes that they're going to get switching in and out every, I guess it's once a lap, once every 5K, something yeah, like that. About that. Switching in and out in a sort of triangle type formation. Yeah. Was, is it, was it, it tri- yeah, it's like yeah, a triangle it, type of a spearhead. That's yeah. what it was, a spearhead formation. And interestingly, which, I don't on. know if you've seen this, but interestingly, what they did in Breaking 2 was they had this projected laser with the, the time. What they're yeah. doing in this one is it's now also it's got five laser lines that show the exact point where each pace has got to be. Oh, wow. So I if you imagine you're drawing the line, you've got your straight line and then the two lines sort of come down and then they sort of you know get narrower as mm. they go up to the middle. So literally each pacer has an exact just, position to run, you know, so they really are taking it bang on, you know, properly seriously. Yeah, as to oh, how, that's cool. You know, as to how they want to get there. Which is just sort of that extra level of precision again. Yeah, um, that they had, and then uh, well, obviously they're going to be running in the in the next percent shoes. They moved up from four percent. Yeah, so lots which, of fluorescent I mean, green feet. Should we, uh, should we go off on a tangent about these about these shoes? I mean, uh, conscious I'm conscious of time. We're I, coming I'm, up to fifty something minutes. Yeah, con- conscious of time, but it is well. It, yeah, we can touch on it very briefly. Nike have basically developed these shoes, which are almost kind of too good to be true for some people mm. you know i look at it as I'm, I'm keeping my mouth shut as much as i can on this because i don't like them i like them in the concept of something like this yeah like going for a two-hour marathon but i think once you come to real racing i think they're an unfair advantage well interestingly and this 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 is a, a whole nother pod actually we can we can do oh, this absolutely. another time is <laughs> just me bitching about shoes <laughs> in 2012 in the olympics in the swimming there were all these um speedo laser suits and they yeah. were called like shark suits and you know it's when michael phelps no it's 2008 sorry rather than 2012 either and, way um, there was i mean there, yeah like i know what you're talking about there was, there was these special swimming suits and everybody was setting world records left right and center and yeah, yeah eventually these swimming suits were banned because yeah. they were providing an unfair advantage to the athletes and i think that that is the way or at least i hope that that is the way that footwear technology is going in running as it's going to get to a point where it's like okay you can't have like things like carbon fiber in a pair of shoes and you can't have them like basically spring loaded like you can't have this pair of shoes doing the work for you yeah because what they essentially do and why i think they don't actually have a huge amount of difference to kipchoge and runners on sort of the the more elite you get probably the less of an effect they have yeah but what they basically do is they iron out most of the inefficiencies that you have in your form and make you much more efficient at running. So say if um, you actually have a fairly efficient running style, so I won't put you as an example, but if somebody who's just sort of quite new to running doesn't quite run quite right and you just chuck them in a 5K race, that would have a much bigger impact on them yeah, versus sort of, yeah, yeah versus the elites Kipchoge versus Mo, for example. Yeah. Or Kipchoge versus Bekele is the example that we've alluded to. Yeah. It wouldn't make a huge difference between those two because they both have quite efficient running styles anyway. Yeah. But I think it's at sort of the club level where it makes the biggest difference. Yeah. And, and where like these guys are on pretty much the same level. Yeah. And they're good runners, but they're not perfect runners. And yeah. that, I think, is where the 4% element comes in. Yeah, And, and like I say, this is maybe something for, a, for another podcast. Yeah, um, definitely. I've already started going. You've, I'm, you've started. I'm trying to wind I'm not talking down. about shoes anymore. <laughs> but, done. But yeah, but Tech you know, so, so obviously this is a, you know, this is a Nike affiliated event. It's not in the same way that Breaking 2 was, but you know, Kipchoge is a Nike athlete and all the paces they are using as well are Nike athletes. So they'll be running in these special shoes and no doubt they'll take into account all this special you know, race technology for probably ultralight shorts and ultralight vests and all yeah, this, all absolutely. this kind of stuff. Um, 
but the format is very similar as they run this straight and it's a 90% straight course. It's in Vienna in October. So it's nice and cool. Um, and I think they're going to wait for the perfect temperature as it, well. Exactly. So perfectly. They want a minimal wind speeds, low dew point yeah. temperature of probably yeah, 10, 15 degrees, degrees Celsius. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. But yeah, the, the important differences, I think there's two that obviously you and I have discussed privately, but I think we'll talk about these and focus before maybe we talk about our predictions and close. Yeah big thing and i talk about this on my video which i've just released recently is, is about the crowds you can watch the breaking two thing but it feels really cold oh it's, yeah it's, it's sterile it's a sterile environment it is, it is a science experiment mm. because you know and we talk about this obviously you and i were both on different sides of the fence for the london marathon this year but it's a loud <laughs> place to be oh, there's different sides of the fence literally literally like different that. sides you know, you're on the road and i'm just cheering you on but you know it's a loud place to be oh it's ridiculous as I mean, soon as you catch a glimpse of whether it's the assisted runners at the start or whether it's like the guys right at the end the whole way scream, along just support just banging on the sides and yeah. noise and cheering and all that sort of thing and that does carry you forward it really does and it's to put into context just how loud it is is i was i had a fellow pet sort of pacemaker that i was running with me and we would sort of communicate about, you know, were we on pace? Did we need to pick it up or slow down? Or just how was the group doing behind us? We had to communicate a little bit during our job. And it was so hard to do that. You had to really pick your spots. Yeah. Because there were some parts that were just, it was just too loud. I just, we couldn't hear each other. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And the Cutty Sark, especially, and I think everyone who runs the marathon says that this is one of the highlights of it, but... Honestly, I've never five minute pace has never felt so easy yeah. as it did running through the cutty sark because there was just so much noise and it does just lift you. It yeah. just carries you through and makes you feel like you're almost yeah. just like running on clouds. Well, it just distracts you more than anything yeah. else, doesn't it? Because you've got to focus on where the hell you're going, not you know, and you think and you, you can't listen to your breathing, you can't listen to your feet pounding if you go right, right, right no, you, can't hear it. you can't hear it. Yeah. yeah. So so it's um so that's a big thing and that's what something that Ineos have focused on is because they could have quite easily done this. So we talk about doing it in areas of the UK. They could have picked another racetrack. Hell, they could have just gone straight back to Monza yeah, and done exactly have. the same event. And I think it would have been successful had they have done it there. I mean, it would have been, you know, at least would be very close because yeah. you know it's a tried and tested method now. Exactly. But the key thing that they've done is they've made sure that it is at an accessible point because they want a few things. They want Kipchoge to do it. They want obviously the crowd. That's they probably want priority number one. Yeah, they want fans to obviously come and see it happen as well. But also, you know, let's be honest. Most people probably haven't heard it of Ineos in the same way they've heard of Nike. No, definitely you know, not. If you've got loads of people here, you know that means you've got lots of people taking pictures. You've got lots of people, you know, posing with your hashtag Ineos one five nine. You've got all this promotion effectively for this company. Yeah. As well, so it's it's at everyone's best interest. You would imagine that the amount that they spent on putting it together, they will make back. Yeah. In sort of just putting their name out there yeah, i mean it's shirt sales and all <laughs> sorts of stuff you know? yeah i mean especially if he does it yeah if he does it then wow this is probably the best marketing campaign of all time yeah Ineos. you know it's certainly up there and, and so that's that's a really important thing to talk about is that you know they want him to to be cheered over the line effectively and and the things i know because obviously you're not going to be in you know the same country as me for when the event actually goes down you're going to be across the pond yep. but i dare say that you and i will probably be watching it on youtube or wherever we watch it we'll be in communication oh absolutely and even if if i'm even if by some miracle i end up getting a flight out there in the next two weeks or if i'm sat in my pants in bed watching it on my phone whatever happens i'm going to go absolutely crazy if he goes over that finish line in 159 oh, ridiculous 59. 
I am just going. I'm going to jump up. I'm going to hug whoever's next to me. I'm going to go. Throw mad. your phone at the wall. Literally, like it's going to be that level of excitement for me as somebody who you know who uh, ultimately like my success on YouTube has come off the back of this concept. You know, I say yeah, my absolutely. success, but my small audience that I've gained. I'd say couple of million is uh, yeah and a bit the, more than small yeah and the confidence to you know buy all podcast equipment yeah this is all mm. it's all catalysted by this concept so if he yeah. goes out there and achieves it for me that's a significant moment for me to watch and i want to see that no, absolutely and and for people that are in the night i mean you know so um ian from kesgrove park run shout out ian shout out kesgrove <laughs> Um, he and some of the people that he knows actually got tickets to go down there and watch it oh wow, wow that's pretty incredible um, you know so it, mean, yeah and just imagine just watching that. Yeah. Imagine getting to say, like, yeah, I was there. Like, yeah. I saw the first sub-two-hour marathon. Yeah, it's a pivotal it's, point As we said, it's history. the same as, you know, the first sub-ten minutes, ten, minute, ten seconds, and the first sub-four mile. And you do wonder whether, if he does it, you know, whether that will suddenly be this floodgate in the same way that Bannister was to go on and run more people to do it. Because after yeah. watching um, Bekele run how he ran at Berlin, you do have to wonder, if you put the two of them in a real race together in Berlin, you go... Well, geez, they might actually. What get... if they just take lumps out of each other and run like a one fifty eight? Yeah, you never they, know. It might actually become real on real race, yeah, you know, re- real races soon, and that's and that's kind of what I think Kipchoge would almost want to see. Obviously, I'm sure he would love to have a record and that to last a long time. That but was he almost also... unbeatable type of thing, like but, a Radcliffe type. Yeah, but he also strikes me as the kind of guy that just genuinely wants to see runners get faster and do really well. I think so. And I think from his perspective as well, he's, he's viewing it as almost an advancement of like the human race in general, yeah. similar to like Huge. a moon landing type situation. Yeah, like this yeah. is something that humans are capable of doing, which yeah. is why his catchphrase, no humans limited. Yeah. It's almost as if you know, humans owe it to themselves to, to prove that there are no barriers. Exactly. And he's, yeah, he views himself, like you say, as like that Armstrong type character. As, yeah. He's got to be the one to prove that it's possible. Yeah. So I think, like I said, the crowd and the whole atmosphere around it is the first significant improvement. And the second yeah. thing, you know, I think this is probably the last point we can make before we talk about our predictions and close, is that his whole aura around him and his confidence in what he can do and what he's proved in his races as well seems yeah. to have changed. And we've talked a lot about this personally. Is you know, I talk about this, I think I use almost this exact phrase in my video. If you look at his performances before and after he ran this two-hour flat in Monza, is his average time for a road marathon is proved by a whole minute. Pretty much exactly a minute, isn't yeah, it's it? Yeah, bang on, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, if he improves by a minute over sort of the, you know, test tube marathon. Yeah, well. As I we mean, call it. I mean, you know, that's that's 159.25. He's done, job done. Yeah. So, I mean, you could say... And this is a bit provocative here, but all he has to do is run to his potential, run the same way he's been running over the last few years since Monza, and it's in the bag. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that then leads us on to our predictions, because it's obviously not quite as simple as that. So we'll start off with you, and then we'll come to me, and then say a few words to close off the podcast yeah definitely okay and i've got i've got a little thing i'm going to throw in at you at the end as well which is always fun so um so predictions wise i am going to be the optimist i really believe that he can do it like i say the the way that you and like take his races in london like the 2019 london marathon is a really significant point for me as you look at that race that he ran we just missed the old world record compared to him running like 202 something you know, you've got to say he's got it in him to do it. I think he knows he can do it, and I, I, I think he will do it. I've said on my video, I think it's going to be something like one hour 59 and maybe like 48 seconds. Like, he'll run under it, 
but it's going to be really close. There's not going to be more than 15 seconds in it either way. No, I think, well, as I said on your video, I agree that I think it is going to be close. And what I said on the YouTube video is I didn't think he was going to do it. I thought he was going to run like two hours and like 12 seconds or something. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Ooh. I'm sort of swinging back the other way now. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be really annoying and I'm going to take a seat on the fence. Ah, <laughs> cop out. No. Uh, yeah, I really just can't call it. I yeah. cannot call it. This time. I was, yeah, I mean, I was, I'm not leaning either way at all. I, I, tell, you, I tell you what, right, the, the, the moment that I can see what you're in, and I'm, and I'm only plowing through with pure optimism, but I tell, you, mm. I tell you what I can liken this to. In, I think, 2012 and then in 2016, I remember watching Usain Bolt line up on the 100-meter start line and thinking, can he do what he did in the last Olympics? You know, which is, if you remember, 2008 Beijing 100-meter final. I mean, that is a legendary race yeah just blew everyone away and And that was obviously when he was right at the top of his game because then 2009 berlin world champs is where he set all of those records and ran just ridiculously exactly but like i think about this as i think about you know you're nervous as johan bloaters go all these other sprinters gatling Mm. and gay and all these sort of people and you just think like oh my god i'm really nervous because i don't know if he'll do it what if he doesn't do it and there's that horrible kind of hover and then the race goes gun goes bang Bolt just goes whoosh and beats everyone by a long way. And then that overriding factor of why did I ever worry about it? Yeah. What happened? And I think that's where we could find ourselves is that if he misses Possibly. it, everyone's going to be gutted, but there's going to be that huge amount of nerves as to will he do it. But if he comes in and he runes it in, like you say, 159.25, we're all just going to be looking at each other. Like, like, why do we even care? Like, why, we're going to look at this worry? podcast as if it's irrelevant. Exactly. <laughs> you know, And that's what I think is really funny is that it is that unknown, but I think as soon, I think by the time we get to halfway, I think we'll know. We'll probably know. But and so that I think seems like a good enough segue for us to end on, since yeah. this may end up being irrelevant anyway. We might as well bring it to a close. Well, just before we bring it to a close, I'm going to make you go back on something slightly. Is in my YouTube video, you said we didn't think he's going to do it. So I say that we lay down some kind of gauntlet, which is if we go on the two sides of the fences, you say he oh, doesn't, no. and I say I do. I say there has to be some sort of forfeit. Some kind of forfeit. Do you have a forfeit in mind? I don't have a forfeit in mind, but what I feel like it should do is I feel like it should be some kind of physical challenge. So it should be okay. something possibly running related because it's relevant. Yeah. But I don't know what yet. So maybe if anyone okay, well, who's we'll, listening to this, they can suggest a couple of ideas for forfeits. And yeah, we'll let the let the listeners decide and forfeit as a, almost a reward for sticking with us through this that's long. It. That's it. So um, so like I say, uh, we can you can leave comments or you can get in touch with either of us via social media. But that's how we'll leave it today. So the best of luck to Kipchoge for his event coming up between the 12th and the 20th in Vienna. Yeah, well, I'm not so sure about that now, but (laughs) guys, be kind to me with this forfeit because I do now have a distinct feeling that I may lose and end up having to do something. But yeah, best of luck to Kipchoge as much as it is now slightly tainted coming from me. Hey, And thanks for Sam for coming on and being my co-host as always. And thank you all for listening. 